Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You're listening to Broncos for Breakfast with Nick Kendall and Scott Kennedy. Welcome in, guys. It is Tuesday morning, November 9th. It is 7.31 a.m. Mountain Time, God's Time, as I like to say. It's 6.30 here where I'm at, 6.32 now. And uh, what is it, 9.30 where you're at, Scott? 10.30? Yeah, yep, 9.30, uh, 9.30 and brisk. Okay. 30 to right. something degrees. I actually up to 41 this morning, so it's it's chilly. It's chilly here in Georgia. It's windy here, so I'm hoping that we can hold on to the power. But, yeah, you never know. We'll see. Um, but, uh, yeah, we got uh, sunny days. Good morning, Broncos country from Pueblo, Colorado. I believe I said that correctly. Got some idiot named Nick coming in here. No, just hanging out in the morning with you guys. Got Max Power saying, hi, guys. Was the Hamler pick right? I think yes. You know what? Max, if you're going to get in a super chat before we even are in here, let's get into it. Um, was the Hamler pick the right pick? It's a, I think it's unfair to say this with the knowledge of him getting injury, getting injured like he did, um, because that is, you know, Captain Hindsight. Like, oh, I wouldn't take the guy who got injured. So, um, <laughs> wow, you're duh. really good at this. Yeah, that's, what a genius. Um, if I could do it, I just would have taken Tom Brady first overall. Like, okay, cool. Um, but I think that the Hamler pick was a good pick at the time. This Broncos team needed speed and twitch at the position. Hamler is an incredible athlete. He was also extremely young. I know that you were double dipping at wide receiver after taking Jerry Judy. Maybe that's an over expenditure of resources, but the Broncos pass catchers were pretty damn poor outside of Cortland Sutton. So I don't have any problem with the pick, uh, in method, it sucks that he got hurt. Um, you could really use a guy like that because you don't have anybody like that on this team. Um, but uh, I think it was a good pick, and I was a fan of the player, and I'm hoping that this is not the end of Hamler in Denver. I know it's a long road for him to get back, given the severity of the injury that he suffered, uh, but I'm hoping he can come back and be good maybe the latter half of next year. Maybe it's even 2023, but uh, you still got two and a half years of control left, so hopefully you can get something out of it. So the, the question I have is, you know, is it the wrong pick if you know you already have injury concerns, which I believe you followed him enough to tell me there were some there to begin with, but it might also be why you got him lower than you would have. So you were able to come in a little bit later and not risk as much on a guy with uh, with injury concerns. So uh, it, it, that's a tough one. You know, you're you're you can be right at the time and history will show that you're wrong. You know, for mm-hmm. all the right reasons, this is a guy everything showed and it just didn't work out. These are these are human beings for for one reason or another didn't work out and it can still be the right pick. You can support the pick. Um, but uh, and then it just doesn't work out. That's that's the way it goes sometimes. And sometimes you get lucky on a guy that's got a heart palpitation or something in the seventh round and he comes in and he starts playing like Von Miller his second start in his career. It's yeah. it's it's not a crap shoot. It's probability and mm. hard work um and but you don't always there's always with probability there's always a fail factor and some some people hit on more than others uh dave yeah. coming in with some stars early saying good morning uh peter day off it's uh i hope you enjoyed your day off because i remember mm. you starting your morning with uh with us last night so welcome 
Uh, Yvonne in the house as well. Good morning. And uh, Andrew coming in with some some nice coffee stars. You know, Andrew, Man. thanks for the thanks for the coffee cuppy. I'm going to go ahead and I've been waiting on this one. Well, Nick said he was waiting on me. I was actually waiting on my Broncos for breakfast coffee to get to a temperature that I could slug it. Listen up, Broncos country. Tick pick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Huddle Up podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Denver Broncos football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Broncos tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's right, guys. When we were searching for tickets for the MHH meet and greet for week three at home, Broncos versus Jets, TickPick had us locked down. So visit TickPick.com slash huddle today and use the promo code huddle to save $10 on your first order of Broncos tickets. I really enjoyed enjoyed the little mix up there, the coffee cuppy. Everyone, <laughs> cough a cuppy for you. No, that's a. Um, in hindsight, though, KJ Hamler, uh, in the NFL, you have to pay a speed premium, period. Uh, that's, I mean, you saw Anthony Schwartz going, I think, in the second round this year, and he was just a track athlete. Um, and the Browns spent a second round pick on him. Maybe it was an early third, um, but still, you have to pay a lot. Um, if I could redo it in hindsight, am I, am I doing a different pick? Yeah. Um, I, I was a big fan of both Jalen Johnson and Christian uh, Fulton coming out of that class, both very good, promising looking cornerbacks. And this team, I know you can never have enough good cornerbacks. I know that's going to get an eye roll for some fans, but uh, that's that's the reality of this team. So it's unfortunate, but I thank you everybody for coming in for the uh, the stars, the support. Obviously, this is Broncos for Breakfast. You guys can follow us on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod and at Mile High Huddle. And while you're there, also follow Scott and myself, Scott at Scout Kennedy, and myself at Nick Kendall MHH. Make sure you go into Facebook.com forward slash Mile High Huddle and Facebook.com forward slash Mile High Huddle Pod. Join the conversations there. Uh, we can get into the offensive line some more, talk quarterbacks, talk draft. Uh, be great. Um, you guys can also subscribe, like, and share on YouTube and also YouTube.com forward slash C forward slash Scott Kennedy. Make sure you're joining us there. Uh, Scott and I will be talking a little bit of Falcons tomorrow morning, which will be a lot of fun. And uh, let's get into it, Scott. Any, if anybody else, any other comments in here? Well, look. what will be interesting is the Falcons play at Dallas next week. So we can start talking a lot. We'll, we'll throw in plenty of Broncos talk and how the Broncos were so successful and can the Falcons replicate that formula in Dallas? Or is Dallas going to be pissed off and curb stomp the Atlanta Falcons? Both it's, possibilities. It's possible. It's definitely possible. I think Dallas, they got to be embarrassed coming out of this game because it's not just like Dak Prescott was missing throws that he typically doesn't miss, but they got so thoroughly beaten in the trenches by a Denver team that I can't even remember a game since... The Jets, like the Jets game was the last time the Broncos actually bullied somebody in the trenches. And man, just to get your like soul snatched from you on live TV is embarrassing. At home. At home. Yeah. And then the fans are cheering. Let's go Broncos. You're down 30 to nothing in the third. Uh, That's a, it's a big time embarrassment, but um, yeah, no, let's get into today. We have unfortunately some bad news. Um, Graham Glasgow left guard for the right guard for the Denver Broncos suffered an ankle fracture. It's believed Uh, either way, his season is done in Denver. Um, So Scott, your reactions. I know we've talked a good bit of Graham Glasgow. I'm not going to 
talk anything too negative. Uh, he's come on the Mile High Huddle shows before. Um, he seems like a really good down to earth guy. So it's obviously it's obviously very uh, upsetting. But this is football, and we got to talk the reality of it. No, uh, you you feel bad for him. Uh, he he struggled this season. Uh, you. I don't know all the reasons why he has struggled this season. Uh, you yeah. hope it's still, there's still half the year to go. You hope he can turn around. We've seen reclamation projects yeah. mid season. Now he's not going to get that chance. Um, and that's, that's unfortunate that he's out. So um, I'm getting really, really tired of the phrase around here of next man up because there's too many guys going down and it feels like it's starting to feel ghoulish, you know, with, with all the people that are going down. It's it's like, okay, let's how about keep, our guys up instead of the next man up because someone else keeps going down. Um, but we talked a little bit yesterday about Quinn Miners coming into that spot. And and I said he looked like a guy that didn't know he was coming in yet, who was kind of surprised by it, wasn't quite ready to come in, but he grew into the game. His first series, first series and a half or so, he wasn't very good. And you mentioned that, that PFF backed up what my eyes were telling me. And his grade overall was pretty bad. I'm like, that doesn't surprise me. He, he really looked like he struggled to get started. But then once the game wore on, the Broncos got into the, we're going to run this ball and kill the clock and do those those type of things where he's really going to be successful. Then he grew into the game and he was very good. The good news across this bad news is you've got a guy who just finished a great half of football against the Dallas Cowboys. So he's not coming in cold like he did in the third quarter. He's got some some uh, some starters minutes under his belt, some starter snaps. Uh, we know what his strengths are, and he's going to have his hands full. That that Philadelphia mm. interior line is no joke. Yeah, man. Shout out to the Mississippi State Bulldogs because those guys, for some god knows reason, know how to make interior defensive linemen. Um, and obviously, the one that we're talking about here with the Eagles coming up is Fletcher Cox. Uh, he was one of my first draft crushes um, coming out of Mississippi State. A heck of a player. And uh, they've obviously since then had uh, Jeffrey Simmons and Chris Jones, two other guys. It's something about those Bulldogs maroon uniforms, I think. I don't know. Uh, But they have an amazing interior defensive line. Fletcher Cox is still very good. And uh, arguably one of the best interior defensive linemen in football this season is uh, Javon Hargraves, who's uh, played for the Steelers for a number of years, signed a big contract. I called him Vernon yesterday. Yeah, that's, that's an old corner from Florida. Corner back. Exactly. The, 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 the names start mixing together on me. Yeah, we got uh, Gary Leeds Palmer coming back, man. It's been a second. Good to see you, Gary. Good vibes rolling. Yeah, Says I'm he, back. Uh, it was heart procedure, if I'm not mistaken. I think oh, there man, was a little Gary. confusion yesterday, and you're tr- trying to make a joke that kind of flew over everybody's head last night. So we got it. And uh, glad you're healthy. Glad you're back. Yeah. Welcome back with us. And, um, you know, hopefully there aren't any more uh, bad heart moments for the Broncos here coming up. That was a nice, calm, oh, enjoyable, pleasant butt whooping that you enjoyed on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, no, that's one that uh, did not get the heart racing at all, except maybe just getting a little hyped up from the yeah, run exactly. game. I mean, that's, but, that was but none of the, none of the, the old cardiac kids. Yeah, no, definitely not. That's the Falcons this year. Um, but yeah, no, Graham Glasgow, it's unfortunate he goes down. Uh, obviously this is going to, at some point, the offensive line, and this is why depth is so important on the offensive line, because one terrible player on your offensive line can sink an entire unit. Just look at the Cowboys last week with their left tackle getting giving up, I think, 12 pressures in a single game. I think the highest pressures in a single game of the entire season. So um, that one bad guy can kill you. So next man up, Quinn Miners. I thought he looked admirable, and he definitely got more comfortable. But this is a game the Broncos are going to have to just you know pull out the greatest hits from week one. 
Pat Shermer and the Broncos need to be almost selfish isn't the word, but like stubborn with their run game. You know, if you're down 10 points, if you're only getting, you know, three yards of carry, you need to stick with it because you need to protect your quarterback. You need to protect this offensive line and having, you know, done some offensive line work, talking with a lot of offensive linemen myself, what offensive linemen love to do run block, go forward, be aggressive. It's so hard to pass protect in this league. And now you have Cam, uh, Calvin Anderson looked good, but Cam Fleming was bad all off season uh, leading up to the season. As far as pass protection, Quinn Miners better in run block in the pass protection. Use those guys, use them to their strength, mm-hmm. put them in a position of power, literally, and use the run game that that needs to be it and be stubborn. Even if it's not working, you got to stick with it. Yeah. And, and Peter coming with the stars saying uh, the Broncos have to prove they're legit this game. And that that's it. It's like this. This can't be fluky again. This was mm-hmm. this a fluke win? Uh, you know, Keith saying the national narrative is that the, the Dallas handed us the W. Who cares? I mean, the national narrative. Who cares? That that doesn't win football game. I know what you're saying. I get it. But that national narrative matter. changes by the week. Yeah, it, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. Yeah, you can flip that. That doesn't. That doesn't win or lose games. Uh, we've yeah. said before this isn't the old uh, college football system where you know style points matter. In, in this. In this. In the NFL, it doesn't. You win every game two to nothing on a safety. You're Super Bowl champions at 17 and 0 when they're, you know, you're, you're ringers. Yep. Um, it doesn't matter. So yep. now it's up to you. It's, it's totally in your hands. And yep. as Peter said, you've got to start stacking performances like this. Otherwise, it's just going to be seen as, oh, well, that was a fluke. That was a fluke yep. win. And it, it might have been. You know, yep. that's what concerned you. It wasn't a fluke. Well, we need to find out. We need to go out and beat a team that you should beat, the Philadelphia Eagles. Move to six and four. Yep. You know, now now we're looking pretty good. But what we said before was that that three and zero start gave you the luxury of dropping some games. Now you don't want to lose four in a row and drop to three and no. four. Yeah. Now you want two in a row, three, four, two. You know that sounds like a soccer formation. Um, but you're right. It's time. It's yep. time to start putting some some good performances together. And like I said, the the good news is. Yeah, you basically got a reserve offensive line, but those guys finished the Cowboys game together. Yep. So they've played together. It's not totally like, oh, we're going to have to throw this guy in and see what happens. They finished the game and they finished well. Yep. And this is a game that's about surviving, in my opinion. I mean, you have the Eagles coming home. You're riding a win high, um, but you have a formula. You have belief in your formula now, and it's not just the players. That's also the coaches. You know, the, you've seen games where, uh, the Broncos are fall behind, you know, 10 points and they completely abandon the run game. You know, they're running shotgun pass plays without play action and that you cannot do that. This team is not built to play that way. Not every single team has a quarterback that's capable of dropping back 40 times and being incredible. I mean, even, even the greats, you know, that's not sustainable. Look at what's going on with Patrick Mahomes right now, or uh, Josh Allen versus the, the Jags only scoring six points. You know, sometimes you have to lean on other aspects of your team and the formula of this team is, Great run game, good defense, take the air out of the ball. And uh, the biggest thing that's upsetting is you, you need to have good special teams in that formula too, but got, we can't have all nice things. Um, so you got to get better there and you got to lean into that. So we got Andrew coming in here. Uh, do you guys have other jobs? Or are you full-time media types? I have another job. Um, I work in Seattle in healthcare. Uh, so I've been doing that. I've been in healthcare for a while. I got a master's degree. Um, and you know, love my sciences, but also love my football and I love my statistics. I do a lot of statistical work, which is probably one reason I really lean into the statistical analysis with football because it's just, it all makes sense to me. Uh, I am a full-time media type. 
Uh, I have been for the last 20 or so years. I think I, I got into football recruiting in about 98, 97. I think my first class covering it was a class of 98. Uh, and I've been doing this in different types of ways um, for the last 20 plus years. So uh, the way I always say, I always work hard at this because it beats working for a living. You know, when you get to go watch football and talk football, you want to make sure that you're, you're working hard at it because uh, it could go away at any time. Uh, Tommy Simmers, I love you, but no more stock talk, please. I, 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 I that was kind of starting to flood the chat last night. Let's let's not bring that in here this morning, okay? Uh, but yeah, no, let's uh, keep going here. So we have Quinn Miners uh, coming in here, gonna lean on him. Um, and I went back and watched the Broncos' offense operate this last game because there's too much going on at once uh, to really be able to dive into things. You're right. I think Cushion Berry actually had one of his best games of his career uh to date which is awesome it's what you want now dallas isn't loaded on the defensive line in the interior but uh still did a great job and i thought reisner while he struggled a little bit early once that after that parson sack i thought he really started to improve as well so um i really enjoyed part uh excuse me i really enjoyed reisner's interview yesterday uh pretty obvious about things that we've been talking about all season it's always nice to hear somebody in the organization that knows a thing or two says exactly what you've been preaching <laughs> so that's always Great. Yeah, um, I but, thought, you know, Cushenberry was very much like that in the preseason, too. You know, listen, they wouldn't have drafted this guy if I had played better. It's up to me. And hmm. and again, it doesn't mean, you know, I, I said he he was my player of the game. That doesn't mean necessarily that he was the best player out yeah. there. Uh, it means that he probably played above either my expectations or what he had been playing. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was a reward. You know, if, 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 if Tom Brady goes out and throws three touchdowns, yeah, we get that. But if the guy that's been struggling all year goes out and has a really good game, he probably contributed more to your team winning than the norm, than the norm. Mm -hmm. So, and I thought Cushenberry had a, a really, really good game against the Cowboys. Um, and I was, you know, it's, it sounds hokey to say proud of him, but I am. I'm, I'm proud of these guys who can yeah. just get down on themselves to turn it around midseason, have a good game. Let's get some confidence. Let's build on that. I mean, again, we forget sometimes that these are, you know, human beings too. And, you know, I, I want them to succeed. I like rooting for people for the most part. Now, there's there's some jack legs out there that I hope never play again, but yeah. he doesn't appear to be one of those. No, he seems like a good guy. Um, and he had a good game and, you know, that's typically for an interior offensive lineman takes a year in the league, takes maybe two off seasons in the strength and conditioning program to really get it going. So, uh, excited to see that and for the growth of this team and Mike Munchak, you know, we've been asking, you know, you have all this money in Mike Munchak, you know, all this hype with them. Where are the results? Well, I mean, we saw some results against Dallas here because it's not just the starters. It's having those those depth guys ready to go when injuries inevitably yeah, and they, happen. They came they in and played great. Calvin Anderson, I thought, did a great job. You know, there was talk in the chat last night. It's like, well, well, we may have just gotten better with Calvin Anderson at left tackle the way Bowles have been playing. Um, I wasn't the only one that happened to notice of this bunch, of, of our bunch, our Mile High Huddle family, that, you know, Cam Fleming looked serviceable yeah. at right tackle. Uh, I thought he looked like an athlete out there. I thought he played a little too high. Yes. And in the run game, I think he might be a little more of a liability, but you can scheme around that. I can bring in, I can put, I want to call him Sauber. What Eric's Aaron Sauber. What's his Eric Saubert, Eric Saubert. Thank you. Yep. Drake um, Bulldogs, Des Moines, Iowa, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I, you can, you can chip him on, on that side. You can help, you know, you can, mm -hmm. you can do things to help him and, and uh, to, to, if he needs some help, but I thought he looked serviceable. Yep. So when you're going eight or nine deep on the offensive line, you're only allowed to dress eight. And everybody yeah. you brought in, not only allowed, but you usually only dress eight. You brought in, you used every single one of your offensive linemen, and the guys that came in looked as good, if not better, than the ones they replaced. That's a hell of a job. 
Yeah, I know. And we got Ernie coming in. Good morning to you, Ernie. Great to see you. Great to see everybody coming in here. Um, thank you for joining us. We got Ashton also. Morning, guys. I must be bad luck. The three games I missed in the past two years were a Texans blowout Panthers game and this Cowboys game. Ashton, you don't have the bad luck that I have. I've been to seven Bronco games in my life, and I've never seen a win. So uh, that's talk of they should pay me not to go. That would you're be gonna, amazing. You're going to find you're not going to find too many people that are more superstitious than I am. I uh, yeah. I didn't watch a single game. Uh, it was what 2004. Auburn goes 14 and 0, goes undefeated because mm-hmm. I was pissed about 2003. That was the story. I've relayed the story to y'all before, saying, you know, when you've got a, a macro team like that, you're usually not happy when they win because they're supposed to win. And if they don't mm-hmm. play well, you're kind of pissed off because of the style points argument that we're talking about. Yep. When they lose, you're miserable. I'm like, man, I need a new hobby. So yep. I quit watching them. They won every single game the next year. I didn't watch a one of them. <laughs> uh, and it sounds like me and the Hawkeyes, but I can't quit. Um, so getting into Glasgow here uh, still, because that's the big injury here that we have to talk about. Um, it does sound like there is a little bit of, not controversy, but there's going to be a discussion about who takes over for right guard. Um, I think that originally Quinn Miners was most comfortable at left guard. I believe left guard is what he played at uh, Whitewater Community College up there in Wisconsin as well. Did some left guard and center work at uh, the Senior Bowl. Now he's at right guard, and that he hasn't been trained as much at right guard as Natain Moody. Natain Moody is supposed to be back this week. I don't know if he's been activated yet, but I th- he's all expect expectations are he's going to be activated and play. So the question is, Moody or Miners? I'd go Miners right now, unless Moody's 100%. I mean, we've seen Miners go in and do a job. Um, he's healthy. He's ready yeah. to go. Moody hasn't been great when he's been in there. Yeah. And, you know, for all this talk about, you know, Glasgow, the, the next guy who's, you know, we need Moody in there. Moody hasn't been good this year, even yeah. when he's been healthy. So I'd go Miners right now. And then if Miners is struggling, you got Moody right there. You know, mm-hmm. let's let's switch him up every so often if we need to there's no you substitute everywhere else it's okay to sub on the offensive line here and there mm-hmm. it, it is you're, you're allowed to do that too but i would start minors right there yeah no i agree with you completely um i do like lawrence's comment here saying i'll go with moody for mama moody uh, we're hoping for moody and i think the plan at some point would be moody to get in there but as a fifth round pick i mean even if moody is your first guy off the bench in the future you know that the first guard uh there's value to that on that rookie contract so hoping for him he's really uh, struggled in pass protection um, at the length has eaten him up, you know, guys with that length on the defensive line, you just, you know, they, they engage first and he, if he's not being the, if he's not dictating initially off the snap, uh, he tends to struggle at least from the reps I've seen, but you know, this is so the second year. Let's do a callback here. How do we dictate again? I don't, you know, I don't remember. You have to run the ball, way. run the ball. Yeah, no, go forward. <laughs> exactly. Um, and that helps run, a lot with Cam run Fleming. the ball. Yeah run the ball, uh, be the aggressor, um, punch him in the mouth, and then get those linebackers to suck up a little bit once your offensive line is winning. Hit them in between the the soft spot between the second and the third level of defense. That's what you saw with Teddy Bridgewater, that little feathered throw down the side, right, for that first down. So uh, it's beautiful when you can get that going, and you can shorten the games. And, I mean, again, this Dallas game was a master class outside of special teams. Gosh, damn it. Um, outside of special teams, um, it was a, a master class of the formula for this team to win. So hopefully we can see that going forward. Um, I'm a little bit nervous about Cam Fleming because when he came in, it was the second half of the game. The Broncos were up by a lot. Cowboys could do nothing. And you could pretty much just scheme Cam Fleming's ISO type of block situations out of the game at that point to protect him. It's not going to yeah, be the case was, against the Eagles. You brought those guys in. <clears throat> excuse me for that. 
That's okay. That's um, that's a good time to come in and get your feet wet and get some confidence yeah. going. You, th- this yeah. offensive line is going to go into the into the Eagles game feeling good about themselves, not mm-hmm. overconfident, but feeling good about themselves, especially the ones that needed it. That mm-hmm. you know, the Calvin Andersons of the world, Miners, mm-hmm. Fleming, the guys who struggled, um, Cushenberry. You know, they they're all playing better right now, and they should feel much better about themselves. And they're going to need it because the strength of this Eagles team is in that front four. It, it's going to be arguably the best defensive front four you've seen. And yes, I include the, the Washington football team in that. Yeah, no, you're, uh, you're totally correct on that. Um, I guess the next big thing we're going to talk about here is the future for Glasgow, um, given the implications of his injury. I know nobody really wants to talk about it because it is unfortunate, but this is the business of things. So I'm going to pull up here. Uh, let me see what, what do I have here. Spot track, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, great. And so obviously yeah, mine's open get... in a tab right now. Yep. So we had uh, Glasgow signing a four-year, $44 million contract for the Broncos. I think he's one of the top paid guys on the roster for 2020. With Von Miller gone, he's the number one guy. Which is crazy. But, so your uh, highest paid player is, one, a guard. Two, it's an underperforming guard. Um, mm-hmm. The only reason that isn't completely crippling your team is because you're not paying a quarterback. Yep. Yes, exactly. So – uh Glasgow with this injury, given the expenditure of resources on the interior offensive line and uh, what the Broncos can probably do, uh, especially on top of this injury, I think it's probably a strong possibility that Graham Glasgow's time in Denver is over. Looking at the contract here, he'll be 30 next year coming off this injury. The Broncos will have to eat $6 million in dead cap from cutting him this offseason, but they'll also get to save uh, $6 million. So maybe there's something where they can come up with a settlement depending on the injury. But uh, I would assume given the, the money expenditures here, they'll say maybe they'll wait until uh, post June 1st. Cause the Broncos have so much cap right now that I can't imagine them having to like that, that 6 million, like having to have it off the books. But uh, still, if, if you do that, then you have 20, 3 million against the cap in 2022, 3 million in 2023, and you can save 9 million in uh, 2022. So that might be actually a better, uh, usage for the accounting purposes with Glasgow, but he's there was gone. one more thing. Cause right now you don't necessarily need the, the, the cap space. Um, no. the, so it could go a little sooner. I, I believe I was listening to, to the, the boys last night, talk about it. There, there's a roster bonus that he was to also in March or, or something along those lines. Uh, maybe someone who was paying attention to them closer than I would, would that I was would remember, but you know, it could happen a little sooner than that based on his contract. But, we said before the injury, he's not playing on this contract next year. No way, no how. Yeah. Now, you know, do you do you offer him a restructure? You know, is he good enough to bring back say on reserve money? Would he be interested in that? I, I don't know. You, obviously, you're going to shop it, and more importantly, would anybody be interested in paying him starters money? Yeah, because he's taken. Uh, you know, luckily you got a, a good chunk of that money up front where he never has to work again. But he's he's not he's not going to see the end of that contract. There's absolutely no way, no how he's a top five paid guard in the off in, in the league right now. And he's been playing bottom third. No way. Yeah. No way. Yep. It's uh again, it's unfortunate because we, I personally like uh, Glasgow. The person actually found out yesterday. He was following me on Twitter. Didn't know that. So hopefully I didn't say anything too stupid to make make myself look <laughs> like an idiot. Um, but um, Glasgow, you know, it's unfortunate, but you've also invested, you know, in Moody, in Quinn Miners to be able to have younger players, cheaper players, ascending players fill that spot. If the 
correct the right situation occurs. And this looks like, unfortunately for Glasgow and, and for Denver as well, um, the the situation where you would move on from him. So and, and we've is what we, it is. We had this question before. It's like when is when is Denver finally going to start investing in the offensive line? The investment hasn't been the problem. There's been plenty of resources allocated to the offensive line. They've just been poorly allocated. Um, you know, if you talk about a first round pick in bowls, huge money to Glasgow. Um, you know, those Juwan types, James. You're taking Cushenberry pretty early. You're taking minors. You're, you're, you're there's, yeah. there's been play the, the Juwan jo- James. That was huge money. Yep. Uh, you got a refund on that. You're lucky. Um, he wasn't so lucky, but you got lucky. But there's, there's, there's resources there. Now do you have the right football person in there to allocate those resources correctly? And so far, the return on George Payton and his staff have been good. Yep, absolutely. I I agree with you. Uh, They've mostly invested in the offensive line. Um, They haven't drafted a tackle since 2017, which is a, I think, almost egregious considering you have Mike Munchak here. Um, You probably need to be taking one at least every other year, Mm -hmm. uh, even if it's a third round or somebody who has the right specs to develop yeah, because there is a height and arm length and athleticism requirement for the tackle position. Uh, but they've looks like um, done a pretty good job with Calvin Anderson. And I wouldn't be surprised if you saw another high investment in the offensive line. And I'm a huge proponent of investing in the offensive line, but you never, you should never invest in the offensive line the year that you need it. It needs to be two years before <laughs> no, because I, it's going to take a couple seasons. You've heard me say before, if I see a defensive tackle or an offensive lineman in the second and third rounds, I don't complain ever. I don't yeah. care what else you need. If you're if you're beefing up the interior lines, you know, the lines of scrimmage, I'm okay with that because yep. you're always – you can never have enough. You, you need eight to ten offensive linemen in a season, and you need – six to eight defensive linemen in a season, especially in a front four, you can never, you can never have enough of those guys. Nope. It's good. And to if have you got depth. a good one, he's, they're going to get paid. So yep. they're going to eat up a big chunk of your salary cap if you decide to keep them. So you got to keep um, cycling them through and have that depth. Yep. hundred percent. I agree with you so much. And that's another reason just, you know, playing off of that um, McTelvin regime, you know, Bronco, Oh man, it should be, he's not making any impact. He's been in, uh, inactivated. You know, most games of the season until we recently had Purcell injury. Uh, maybe Ajim is bad um, or not good. Maybe he's a bust. Well, he was the 95th overall pick in the draft. So that's, I mean, that's, I don't know how much of a bust. If he, you know, is out of the league because he's an idiot, then that's one thing. That's a bust, but uh, that's not the case. And also he's only had one year in the strength and conditioning uh, program, the off regular off season program. So he needs to have a couple seasons before I'm ready to write him off as a late round three pick at the interior defensive line. So that's that, that's that kind of thing. You need to invest a, and you need to have a little patience for the trenches. From a comparative uh, standpoint, everybody grab your your, your coffee Let's or your drinks, whatever you are. Uh, the Falcons waived Deidrin Senate yesterday. He played, he had 30 tackles his rookie season in 2018. He's had two since then. He was drafted about the same time as Ajim. It's been four years on him. If he has the same career as, 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 as Senate, we'll say he's a bust. Not mm-hmm. yet. But the trend is not positive right now but there's time there's certainly time to turn to turn that around for sure yeah and you're totally right on that and you know again it takes a lot of the guys are making their improvements it's not when the games are happening it's the off season you know the strength and conditioning how they're taking care of their bodies and whatnot when nobody's looking we've talked about this uh you know with with quinn miners i can't wait to see quinn miners with a full year of knowing this is what my job is yeah Uh, um you know he went from not playing to going down to the senior bowl, to preparing for pro days, to I'm now a rookie for a team that I, you know, in April, May, 
reporting. I didn't even know who I was going to play for, let alone what scheme or where. And all of a sudden, you know, two months later, I'm, I'm at camp against these guys. Now he's going to have, you know, a full off season to prepare for his job. He knows what his job is and it's going to be, it's going to be night and day. Yeah, absolutely. We got Keith Cummins in here, a uh, staff writer from Mile Idol. Good to see you, Keith, across the pond there. Peyton is pr- uh, proving with his first draft class that he is a grade A evaluator of players. Uh, so far, the early returns look incredible. Um, this is a big reason you want so many shots, especially in the top 100, and should make you excited about the Broncos draft capital, even if they don't go after a, a big-time quarterback this year or they can't come uh, come to a deal for one. Um, you should still be excited about all those picks. Uh, so thank you very much, Keith. We, we do want to have a couple seasons pass before we really understand what this class is. But yeah, no, good point. And we also got Michael Ronquillo, great friend of the show. Uh, mm-hmm. Always a big shining light for us in the chat and just in general. So Michael says, good morning, Nick and Scott from Broncos for Breakfast. Go Michael, Broncos. I hope your new phone is living up to your expectations. Yeah, no, exactly. That's <laughs> There we go. Um, Chapel Elway saying, what's really up with Glasgow? Fractured ankle. Uh Done for the year, might be done for the Broncos in general, but that's, uh, oh, that's the, the question for me on that one was what was really up with Glasgow? I, I don't know. There there could have been reasons why he was struggling. I mean, you, you didn't give him a $44 million contract because he was playing poorly. Yeah. Um, I would say, I mean, I don't know this for a fact because I didn't watch him before, but he couldn't have been playing like this when he got that contract. So there's something there. I, I don't know what it is. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the thing is now is now it. Unfortunately, now it doesn't matter. Yep. Now it doesn't matter. He's, he's he's done for the season. He'll be done with that contract. So he will be on the open market. Somehow he'll be either a free agent or they'll come to terms on a restructure. But that contract where he's the highest paid Bronco, one of the top five guards in the league, that one's done. That one's done. Yep. And that was done before he got injured. Yep. That wasn't going to happen. There's no way. Yeah, and I know a lot of people, not to go too far down this rabbit hole, but um, – the Broncos in the 2020 offseason, everything, every move they made was with the scope of giving Drew Locke the best chance possible from a personnel perspective. You know, you go out, you get Jerry Judy in the first round. You go out, you double down at wide receiver, KJ Hamler. You make Graham Glasgow a top five paid guard in the NFL when Drew Locke has struggled historically with interior pressure. You go out and you make Melvin Gordon a top five paid uh, per season running back. I mean, all those moves are empowering the the quarterback and giving them the best chance possible to get a clean evaluation on the player. Now you can argue what you want about scheme injuries, uh, the everything happening in the world at that point, but you know, those not every single one of those things is controllable. Um, and you thought you were doing the best and nobody's going to have a perfect situation, right? That's just, it's impossible in the NFL. Nobody's going to have a perfect situation. So it's unfortunate. Um, it does look like the Melvin Gordon signing was good at least uh, in hindsight, but Graham Glasgow maybe too bad here moving on, but you have investments on the interior offensive line that are coming of age that you should be excited about and seeing what they can do. I really want to talk with you actually real quick, because this is a interesting topic in Broncos country in general. Um, the running back. Yes. With you, Scott, with your, uh, was it your coffee cuppy? Um, everybody get your coffee cuppy going. Um, the, the Broncos running back distribution. I know there is a large sentiment that the Broncos should lean way more heavily into Javonta Williams. Now Javonta Williams has been awesome. I think he has like good, 40 yeah they did yeah well melvin gordon still finished with more carries but that's not my point okay yeah. we had this discussion last week about the trading deadline and i'm like would i trade melvin gordon i'm like yes yeah yeah absolutely i would you're not using him these guys are getting 20 touches between them yeah, yeah what do you need two running backs for you you can you can go and we said we can amp up javante williams from 10 touches to 18 touches 
and give Mike Boone a couple of, you know, th- the three, four other extra carries. No problem. Mm-hmm. Now, last week, you did amp up Javante Williams. He went from 10 touches a game to 17. There was almost a, a double, almost 100% mm-hmm. increase in touches Javante yep. Williams. Melvin Gordon got 21. So between them, you got 40 touches. Yep. Thank you. Yep. Yes. Yep. So am I going to complain about Javante Williams' touch? No. The rookie running back getting going from 10 to 17, just you know, round up and call it 20, doubling his touches. If he's getting 20 touches a game, you're happy. You're happy. Yeah. Melvin Gordon being productive, can he help Javante Williams along? You know, he's, he's still a rookie. Yeah. So yeah. if I'm you're, – you're winning this game and you're a more effective offense when you're putting the ball in these guys' hands. Javante Williams, 20 touches a game over the course of 17 seasons, and he gets 350 touches over the – I mean, 17-game season, 350 touches in his rookie season. You got no complaints. None. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Um, I am – I was not a big proponent of signing Melvin Gordon when the Broncos did because – I didn't think it was the best allocation of your salary cap uh, because I think if you're paying a running back big money, you need to be in your window. And I did not think the Broncos were in their window. Now I get it again, trying to empower Drew Locke, blah, blah, blah. But still, that was one that uh, again, I'll ask you this question again. Who have you missed on? Cause you didn't have cap room. Um, not really anybody. But- so overpaying right now, if you're overpaying for somebody, it doesn't really matter. Um, but you, you know, roll over all your deal, cap. You didn't, you didn't miss on anybody. Because it's like, oh, well, we got this guy, so now we can't get that guy. That didn't happen. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't worry so much about that. You know, the one of the the big like I said, you can make you can overpay at other positions because you're not paying a quarterback right now. That yeah. will change. It has to. You know, you can't go, you can't keep creeping along with two or three million dollars allocated at the quarterback position for the next decade, or you're gonna have a decade moving forward like you've had in the, the past decade. Yeah. So paying Melvin Gordon didn't harm the Broncos at all. I'm going to disagree a little bit here. I don't think it hurt the Broncos and he's been a good return for the signing, but every single dollar you don't spend can get rolled over, which could give you flexibility going forward. I mean, when they run the, into the salary cap, then I'll, then I'll, I'll, I'll concede that. Yeah. And like with a big quarterback, maybe coming in Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick, like maybe not paying Melvin Gordon was the difference in being able to retain both Sutton and Patrick versus not. I mean, we don't know yet, but you do, you do have the ability to roll over. So he's been, a solid return on investment given what he's actually paid and what his position is. Um, but the big thing I actually wanted to get into here, I see a lot of uh, sentiment in Broncos country that like the Broncos need to lean into Javante Williams more. I agree with you, but there is a, I think a main statistic here that really points to why Melvin Gordon is still getting the majority of the carries. Even it's like 55, 45, which I think is what I said they should do to start the season. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Melvin Gordon this season, he is one of the, best running backs in football. As far as his stuff rate, he almost always gains positive yards when he gets the ball. Javonta Williams dead last in the NFL and stuff rate. Hmm. He is one of the worst in football in getting zero yards or negative yards. Every time he touches the ball. Now his yards per carry is good because he, when he can get to that second level, he is explosive. Um, he can make guys miss. I think he has 40 missed tackles this year. That's incredible. But um, his stuff rate being so high this season is a killer for this offense because let's say if you're second and 12 with this offense, you might as well punt it. That's that's a death penalty for this type of offense with how much they struggle um, in being forced in passing situations. So Javonta Williams, um, he has been incredible. His patience and his vision have been difficult uh, for this team to 
succeed with sometimes. Um, so if he can clean that up, it's going to be amazing. And also if you invest further in the offensive line and have guys where the holes are obvious, right? Like just we're really winning at the point of a contact, then Javante Williams can really cook. Uh, but right now he's just way too feast or famine with his rush attempts to be getting the lion's share, in my opinion, especially when Melvin Gordon is almost always getting positive yards, turning forward and picking the right gaps. Well, the other part that we talked about over the summer about how they would be used is it could be um, situationally based on the the time on the clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, you've got you know, Melvin Gordon almost first half runner. You know, yeah. let's let's establish a run, let's do these type of things, and then we'll bring in the closer. We mm-hmm. got a tired defense. We got the you know it's it's a sealed you know the old thunder and lightning thing. Yep. Um, you got your lightning coming in, who uh, the veteran back sees the holes, can catch the ball. Um, maybe a little bit at this stage of his career, a little bit better in, in blitz pickup. And then yeah. the plan, get a lead, play action, rely on that defense, run the ball. Let's bring in the kid that nobody can tackle in the open field when they're freaking gassed, yeah. um, you know, and, and who's breaking tackles and, and falling forward for four. So, uh, you know, having both of those guys there. And again, the question is, should Javante Williams get more carries and more touches? My answer to that is he did. Yeah, he did. And and that was Good. that was all I really care about is making mm-hmm. sure that he is getting the ball more. I want Melvin Melvin Gordon get the ball at more. Again, going back to last week before the trade deadline, why not trade Melvin Gordon? You're not using him. You're not yeah. using Javante Williams. Well, if yep. you're going to give them both twenty touches, you need them both, and you were very successful in doing so. Yeah, and it's a lot of it is game flow as well. I mean, the Broncos for the first time in. A while seemed like they the defense really really came to play and you were able to play with a lead or keep it close um early on like the broncos losing streak they were down like that you know just immediately it was like uh oh like the defense wilted immediately and we're down seven points everyone pooping their pants you know here here we go again <laughs> um that's not the case in this dallas game so the defense has to come to play early too maybe not to the extent where they have to have two fourth down stops well, uh, hats and, off to them and part of that is wasn't it some sort of record about not scoring a touchdown on your opening drive yeah nope they uh you know, first I mean, time you're, you're you're deferring automatically if you're three and out on your opening drive or you know you're, you're not scoring any points on your open drive it's almost like you're you're giving up an extra possession every time it's not even like that's what it is mm-hmm you know, it's 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 OK. You get the ball to start the first half and the second half because we're not going to do anything with it. So, you know, you, you've got to start converting some of those early drives into points. And while you went three and out, uh, bowing up and stopping the Cowboys on fourth and short. Gave some positive momentum to your team, pissed them off a little bit, too. And that wasn't a bad thing either. Yeah, I mean, Vic Fangio's, I think he's still pulling back for that that uh, uppercut punch that he did to celebrate, man. I'm not, that old guy almost threw his arm out of his socket doing that. That was pretty funny to see. Um, but yeah, no, I again, this is just a conversation I've wanted to get into with you because on the surface, you know, I see everybody posting the pro football focus missed tackle data, which is incredible. But um, there is some data behind it, which makes sense why they're still leaning into Gordon. And yeah, it's, it's not the style of guards and defensive tackles missing those tackles. Yeah, you, you got to get past that for that first line. Um, and here's a question for Peter with some stars also. So if the Broncos could get Gordon for five million, would you keep him next year? He's scoring. I definitely would. Uh, I think that uh, this team right now um, for five million, it would depend on how long as well. But I know another that running deal, just a one year deal. Yeah, another yes. one year deal for five. Yeah, I, I think I would because you have that extra money. Um, this is what this team wants to be identity-wise. Um, the Broncos, you're talking about when Javante Williams only getting 10 carries, they were getting away from the identity in that. I think that's not who they want to be. They do want what we saw against the Cowboys, which would be enough carries for both those guys. And also, 
I think it'd be a second year with both of these guys kind of getting an understanding of what it's like to have that kind of timeshare. Um, and also you're saving carries off of Javonta Williams legs, which can help extend his career and help make him not only more effective game to game, um, but going forward. And also with how dependent this team is on a running back that can play three downs. It's the pass blocking. It's the pass catching running between the tackles running outside the tackles. I don't think you are in a situation where if one of the, I, you don't want to be in a situation where one of those guys go down and your whole offense falls apart, right? I think that having those guys, given that right now it seems like they are actually the focal point of the offense, it's it could be big time scary if one of those guys guys go down. So well, and that you're, five million is a lot too. When you're using a second round pick on Javante Williams, you're not paying him a ton, relatively no. speaking. So if you're no. putting six million dollars into your running back position, that's that's pretty good, and you're getting well above average production. Yeah, you're pretty happy with that, and. uh Little Rand Man, little R Rand Man, thirty four says, "I don't like the two back system. One series to the next is not good, in my opinion." And um, and I, I, I'm not going to disagree with you on that one because what how how what we were talking about earlier was situational, best on time on the clock. So I might go first half Melvin Gordon, um, yep. wear him down, play action, all that type of stuff, and then Javante Williams is a closer, or you know every two every two series switch him out like that. But let a guy get a rhythm. I'm I'm okay with that. I don't I don't want to switch him every series either. Um, you know, if I run Melvin Gordon three straight times for first down, I might, I might just sub him right there. You know, then you, then you get a sub. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't, I don't, wouldn't, I wouldn't ever say you're getting this series, you're getting the next series. It's got to be situational for me. Yeah, and with how uh, Melvin Gordon is playing this year, also I cannot see the Broncos paying or uh, him getting only a one-year five million contract, five million a year contract. He, I think he's going to get a bigger deal than that. Uh, so, I mean, he's been a top 10 running back uh, since the first half of last season when he was something like crazy. And then he went on a good, a good tear. So I don't know, um, man. He'll, don't uh, think he's gonna... He just turned 28, 29 can... years old running back. What's he making this year? See, he's only on, he's on seven now. Five would be pretty decent money for him next year. Yeah. Honestly, I, I would be okay with that for a short term contract. It's mm-hmm. when you have like a four-year contract that has a bunch of dead money on like year three. Yeah, and, that, and that's really that, that that's not going to happen for a, nope. a, a running back that's you know on his way to thirty years old anymore. That's it's it's just yep. not. You, it you can you can see the stupid headlines. Oh, four years, twenty-five million dollars, but you know only a one million dollar signing bonus. Yeah, that's a one-year deal, and it might not even be that. Yeah, um, but to the same point, you're talking about this timeshare here. Um, maybe we're talking about saving uh, Javonta Williams's legs. Maybe it's also extending the career of Melvin Gordon at the it's same time. So. That's why I said, if you put $6 million into the running back position and you're getting well above average production, you're, you're very happy. Again, talking about allocating resources and investment in the position. That is a very good return on investment on your running back money. Yeah. He honestly, Melvin Gordon might be one of the very few running back contracts, second contracts that I can think of that has been, a solid return on investment. Almost every single one is bad. So maybe, maybe I'm talking myself out of it with that. Um, but uh, yeah, we still got 45 minutes left. Um, That's a long time, dude. I don't know yeah, if I got 45 minutes. left in me. I'll have to. We, we got, got 15, 15 minutes, minutes left for those of you counting at home. Left. Uh, we should be talking a little bit here of uh, Patrick Sertan and the Broncos secondary as well with the injuries coming up. Um, the one that is obviously upsetting, but good news, I guess, overall. Uh, Patrick Sertan suffered a knee contusion. The MRI showed that. Um, so he is going to be our sprain. MRI showed a sprain. He's going to be out this week versus the Eagles. And then they'll reassess after the bye week. Um, if the Broncos were, you know, in a playoff and they thought he was your best option, he still might go. 
Um, but luckily the Broncos have some reinforcements coming in. Uh, they reactivated uh, Duke Dawson, <laughs> Duke Dawson off of the, in, another Florida cornerback there for you uh, off of the reserve or the injury list. So he's going to be back. He's kind of a slot safety. Um, we'll be interested to see him. I'm also expecting to see more Nate Harrison. Um, so I am picking up a little echo too on my end. Um, Nate Harrison played solid in some, um, some reps and also Kyle Fuller. So Patrick Sertan has been your best cornerback this season, but I think this is a game where hopefully you're not going to be missing him too much because Jalen Hurts throwing the football, not always great. It's more about the run game with him and playing off of that quarterback power. But uh, your thoughts, Sertan, uh, out. How's this Broncos secondary going to look? Well, I'm going to say goodbye to Andrew real quick. Uh, Andrew, appreciate you being here. Appreciate all the stars and the support. Uh, go keep America running. We appreciate you. Um, Thanks, Andrew. First off, Bye week couldn't come at a better time. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you could drop in a bye week anywhere, you might do it right now with Sertan coming off, uh, you know, coming off of a little bit of an injury. So perfect timing for that too. Thank you for showing up Kyle Fuller, uh, mm -hmm. Kyle Fuller, getting a little confidence and, you know, Fangio, I, you know, I try not to listen to too much about what coaches say in public, but you know, he sometimes I don't think he's cagey enough to always be doing coach speak. He, he flat out said, he says, Fuller, Fuller wasn't happy with his role here. Well, he wasn't playing very well. Um, he came in and as a pro came in and dropped into the nickel and played great. Okay. So this gets into the question. Do you leave him there? You know, do you, do you leave him in a nickel role where he has started to show some positivity or do you try and move him back into a role where he hasn't had success and you could end up weakening two positions so Kyle Fuller stepping up, Ronald Darby stepping up at the right time, uh, starting to play well. Again, going back to the beginning of the show, we got to prove that these weren't just one-offs. Kyle Fuller, can you string together a, another performance? We, we're going to need you now. We're going to need you at least another two weeks to start being the guy that we paid $10 million. Uh, Ronald Darby, can you be that guy too? So um, how do you feel about the Broncos secondary? You're going to miss Sertan for sure. But mm -hmm. the early returns last week on some guys that you needed to step up were very, very positive against a, a more talented offense than you're going to see this week in the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, and this is going to be a game as well. I mean, just talking matchup-wise, where you're probably not going to need as much depth on, in the defensive backfield as you did versus Dallas. I mean, we saw a crazy number of dime looks uh, from the Broncos where they were playing three safety and three cornerbacks against the Cowboys. Now, part of that was game flow because the Cowboys were having to pass the ball like crazy. Um, but this is a game where, you know, it's going to be much more tight formations. You're going to have to keep an extra guy in the box to account for Jalen Hurts with the RPO and the quarterback power looks. So I'm expecting a much more heavier look for the Broncos here. And losing Sertan and his size is going to be unfortunate because he can be a force player in that run game and in the screens and whatnot in that kind of regard. But at least you're not going to be relying on your fifth cornerback or sixth cornerback because you have to have so many guys on the field. It's I'm expecting it to be much more of a phone booth game versus the Eagles. That's where they've been successful this season. Yeah, ironically, this was scarier against the Cowboys. Uh, you know, when yeah. you got CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper out there, you need every corner you can have. Um, and Keith Cummins saying uh, when when Sertan went out, Fuller also played the boundary. So he moved around a, a lot. Nice. Uh, and is hopefully is getting comfortable in multiple roles. That's why you paid him all that money, right? Yep. Yeah. Nope. Exactly. So you and I think Fuller pretty good there. The other one that was interesting there was uh, 
Caden Stearns, I know he's listed at a safety position, but he's not playing that too high spot. He's coming down and playing in the box. He's playing slot. He's playing uh, all those kind of positions there at that second level. So if you need to bring in somebody that can bring in some coverage ability, maybe from the slot that's a little bit twitchier and more explosive. I mean, honestly, Stearns might be the most explosive athlete you have on the Broncos secondary right now and in the defense in general. Um, So you can go that way. But again, this is a game, I think it's going to be a phone booth football. And uh, that means that you're going to need bodies. You're going to need your defensive line. You need the linebackers to step up. Yeah, it didn't always have to be nickel cornerback. It was always just nickel back. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, shout out to the band. Sorry, Look at this but it was always around. just it was always just called a, a nickel back, and it didn't have to be a corner covering the slot. That's evolved a little bit. Um, ironically, with Sertan, is I think his coverage has been better than I was expecting, and I think his physicality has been a little less than I was expecting. Um, I was almost picturing, you know, Kareem Jackson out there, you know, flying forward and tackling guys on the screens and and really pressing the the heck out of guys at the line of scrimmage. I think he's been better in coverage. So um, than he has been with this, the the part of his game that I expected to really excel, which was, you know, the, the jam and release the, the uh, you know, playing the flats. If a guy gets behind you, turn him over to a two deep safety. But um, he's a miss for sure. He's he's been your most consistent and your best corner all all season. Can you beat this team without him? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yep. And uh, I just saw an alert come across my phone that we have major wins and power outages where I'm at right now. So if all of a sudden I'm gone, major uh, wins. Yeah, yeah. God, you guys know <laughs> that um, I'm gonna I'm okay. It's just the power went out here, and I think it's impacting my internet more than normal. Also, which is yeah, more stuff. than normal. There's the key. Yeah, it looks spinning that wheel is already worn out. Yeah, it's uh, it's ticking me off, but what can you do? Um I'll have to mess with my router too, but I think it's the the weather here uh right now. 50 mile an hour winds are not not nothing to laugh about. Um so we got this one too and I've actually been asking around. This one is somebody that the Broncos need to get out there with the cornerback injuries that are happening. He's been he had a hamstring injury in the like Seattle game week two of preseason preseason but you know, like I said at the time you know you're those hamstrings you know you're glad it wasn't ACL but hamstrings are dodgy they're yeah. they're just completely unpredictable yep. and you just you never you never know and yep. they're so easy to re-aggravate that it's just a it's it's kind of a it's a it's a just a, a questionable injury when you hear hamstring you're like that could be next week. It could be next month. It could be two months. And unfortunately, we're working on week 10 for Ojemudia. It's unfortunate. They could definitely use him out there, especially in this game with the amount of uh, RPO and quarterback power you're going to see. Getting a cornerback with some size there for that quick pass game, the extensions off of the quarterback run um, would be good. But um, it's going to be unfortunate. Uh, we got Joe Spath. Joe Spath coming in here saying, I really like Caden Stearns. He has two interceptions already and 100 snaps. I should have had three. That one went right between his hands against Dallas as well. Um, he looks like a fun energy player as well. And I remember when the draft happened, uh, a lot of people were super duper high on Jamar Johnson in comparison to Caden Stearns. But Jamar Johnson was almost not on this team when it came down to the final 53. Caden Stearns looks like a guy who is going to be a large part of your secondary moving forward. So yeah, really and, uh, appreciate the, the, the big stars on that, Joe. Oh, thanks, um, Joe. Super helpful to, to what we do here for sure. Um, you know, the, the shoulda, coulda, wouldas are nice. I'm, one, it didn't cost you points, which is nice. You know, when you see those get dropped in field goal range, you're like, man, that was three points right there. Two, trying to err on the side. You know, I get upset with coaches that yell at somebody for dropping an interception or doing something like that. And and for me, I like the positive aspect. It's like, wait, good read. 
you know, way to be in the right place. Good positioning. Nice jump. Catch the ball next time. You know, he knows. He knows he should catch that ball. But, you know, uh, applaud a rookie for being in the right position, for having the instincts and the athleticism to be there. And remember that he's on the defensive side of the ball for a reason. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, not quite linebacker hands. But, yeah, it'd be mm-hmm. nice. Um, hundred, You know, if, if he's got three and 100 snaps, that's that's a pretty good return. And going back, I think we talked a lot about the rookie class yesterday. Going back, Caden Stearns is another one of those guys. What was he, fourth round, fifth round? I think he was the their first fifth-round pick. They took two safeties in the fifth round. You want to talk about grand larceny. You know, we talk about, you know, stealing and picking something off as an interception. How about Caden Sturge as a fifth-round pick? And, and yeah. Jonathan Cooper as a seventh? Come on, are we going to go back to the beginning of the season where the front office got a D for Denver Broncos? Do I need to, do I need to bring that episode back up? Man, I got no problems with the Denver front office. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I will say, uh, not to rub any salt in the wounds, but uh, did you happen to catch last night's game? No, not uh, not a minute of it. Oh man, Justin Fields looked really, really good. Um, probably one of the best games of. I, I, what this I season. did was I looked at the uh, I looked at the first half stats. I was like, eh, and then I looked at the the second half, and uh, I was like, okay, um, but still, you know. Then I look over the rating, and he's still a ninety. You know, one touchdown, one interception. Roethlisberger was one touchdown, no interceptions, and that could have been well that and. Mm-hmm. I did see the uh, the body check from the official the who ref? went through a taunting oh flag. God. I saw that on Twitter this morning, yeah. and um, that's that's poor. Yeah, uh, that's poor. Nathan, good morning. Good morning. Coming in with some coffee stars. I like the coffee cup stars. Me too. Appreciate you, Nathan. Thanks for coming in and supporting the show as we uh, are getting winding down here in the final few minutes. Yeah. No. Totally. Totally agree with you there. Just. Uh, Justin Fields, 10 air yards per attempt, um, which is, I think, the second highest of anybody this season, and uh, also the rushing stuff. So he looked it looked like Justin Fields did click last night. So I'm excited to see what he can do going forward. Um, that's the reason the Broncos front office got a D, is because people don't believe, didn't believe in the combination of Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke with the quarterback sitting there in their face. Um, the Broncos had the resources to maybe go at it this offseason. Um, so we'll see there. Uh, who knows? Um, but you know, we'll see if you don't get the quarterback, right. It's going to be an issue, but they did get Patrick Gertan. He looks like he's going to be incredible. And this is a great draft class. So different ways to get there. Don't miss, you know, if you get, if you keep, if you keep stacking your draft picks with good players, you're going to be a good team. Yep. Totally. It might take you a little more time to hit on the right pieces, but if you keep getting good players, you're going to be a good team. Patrick Gertan is a good player. Yeah, and we got Lawrence saying, I'd like to see a draft grade review. What do you guys think, Eric or Nick? You got you got us. Are you saying about like our review of what we had originally or where we're at right now? Um, I think that everybody's been playing pretty darn well considering the circumstances. I mean, you took two raw prospects day three that you were hoping to leave on the back burner this season. You know, you put them in the oven and let them out after a nice, you know, maybe have to baste the turkey a little bit. But other than that, you wanted to see them next year. They're in there right now because of injuries. Both look promising. Um, so that's amazing. Javante Williams trading up for running back, maybe not always the best in practice, but he looks like a difference maker and an energy player for this team. And Sertan looks like a top 10 level cornerback for the next decade. So, uh, if you keep hitting on those picks, even if it means that you didn't get your quarterback hitting on those picks, makes it easier to find a quarterback later because then you are more comfortable to allocate resources to go get that guy because you are not, you don't have holes all across your roster. And then you can hit the ground running when that quarterback comes in. I mean, you see Trevor Lawrence right now. You see Zach Wilson right now. Those guys are on bad teams, 
Uh, they're up and down, and you already have burned one year of their rookie contract. Yeah, it's, a wasted, it's a wasted year for them. I mean, you, yeah. you, you don't pass on those guys. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. what I've said forever is you you got to protect them. You know, don't yeah. don't shell shock them where they're where they're getting the hell beat out of them. Yeah. Um, you know, but go go look at last week's game. It was a dominating performance. And how many rookies just off the top of my head? Javonta Williams, Quinn Miners, Caden Stearns, uh, Pat Sertan. I'm missing one. Baron uh, oh, Browning. Baron Browning, Jonathan Cooper. That was Jonathan six. Cooper. Yeah. Six rookies from Caden this Stearns. class contributed heavily to a beatdown yeah. of the team that many considered the best team in the NFC. What's your grade? It's an A plus. It's an A plus on A plus. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, about as good as you could get this early. We still want to see what they look like, you know, two, two, three years from now. Uh, so you have full data. I mean, I remember everybody was, you know, taking victory laps with uh, Dalton Reisner after his first year, and he didn't take, uh, didn't really progress from that first season. So we want to see what they can do after a couple off seasons under their belt. But for now, as good as you could hope. Uh, we got Tez coming in here with a, probably our final question, unless we get some super chats coming in here saying, do you guys still think that quarterback is the problem? Pat Mahomes is the guy, but he can't do anything because his O-line stinks. So is it really Teddy? I looked at his stats and he is up there with the best. Teddy, Teddy's Bridgewater is a limited quarterback. He doesn't have ample arm talent. He isn't this incredible athlete, but he is good enough when you have a run game and guys around him that he can pick to. Now, if the game, if you're down by 10 points and the other team knows that uh, you have to pass the ball and you need Teddy Bridgewater to make play after play after play, I don't know if he's that guy. Then there are quarterbacks who are that guy. I don't think Teddy is. So is he the problem or is he the, do you think quarterback is a problem? It's not the problem, but I don't think that you have a guy that when the chips are down and you need your quarterback to make the play in those tight situations, I don't think he's one that I would bet on as far as that, but there's, there's only a handful of those guys in those leagues, and everybody's right. looking for that guy. So you have so to be able I'm going to emphasize the word here. Do you guys think that QB is the problem? The problem. So we're looking at a 5-4 and four team and a team that dropped four in a row. Was quarterback the problem in that game? If you got a better quarterback, do you win those four games? No. No. There were a lot of things that needed to be addressed before you say, okay, the problem with this team is a quarterback. The problems were in the lines of scrimmage. You're getting dominated on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Until that happens, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is until you fix that. All right, let's fast forward to the Cowboys game. Dominated the Cowboys on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Now, did Teddy play good enough to win that game for you? Yes. Yeah. So, done. Now, you play like that every week on the line of scrimmage. You get defensive secondary play like that every, every time. You get edge pressure like that every time. You get the running backs the ball 40 times a game. Now, are you limited with your ceiling with Teddy Bridgewater if you get everybody else contributing the way that they did against the Cowboys? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. that Then it becomes, now you're limited to where you can get as a ceiling. But was quarterback the problem in that four-game losing streak? No. Not even close. Not even close. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's tough. There's, and when something like that happens, it's very rare where it's only one person that deserves the, the majority of the blame. But that's the quarterback position. And at some point, given how difficult it is to roster a good offensive line, defensive line, et cetera, et cetera, every single year. If you have a quarterback that can cover those issues and raise everybody else up, that's when magic happens. And that's when you have an elite guy. And I don't know if Teddy is that guy from on an on the field perspective, but you knew that you traded him for a six round pick. That's what you went. It went into this. You're not paying him. Carolina's paying him. Didn't cost you anything. No, to use a pun, he was a bridge to the future. He was the bridge quarterback until you got the long-term guy in there if you didn't think it was Drew Locke. I think it's painfully obvious the coaching staff and probably the front office 
don't think it's Drew Locke. Teddy was a guy to hold you over until you got to that guy who can win you some games. Can you make a playoff run with Teddy Bridgewater as your quarterback? Yes, you can. You absolutely can. Uh, Once all of those other things are clicking the way they are supposed to, the way they thought they were going to when we were going into the season, including the debilitating injuries, um, for sure. Uh, Ethan, DWI guys coming in. I believe he's still across the pond. said he was in London. Late for the show, but wanted to extend my support, and we certainly appreciate that. And we show the updated YouTube contribution rankings um, for the month of November. We updated them yesterday and showed them on the show last night. Ethan, DWI guys, number one. He was number one over some heavy hitters on the Mile High podcast, uh, you know, including uh, Christy, Naj. Naj is usually in here, too. I haven't seen Naj today. Um, yeah. from Georgia. Uh, all those guys, number one. Number one on the list, number one in our hearts. Certainly appreciate you. Yeah, thank you so much, uh, DWI guys. And at some point, we're going to have to talk a little bit. I think you got the uh, the coffee mug there. So I know I appreciate you having the uh, your own logo there with the DWI guys. But uh, maybe you got to at least send us on Twitter a picture of you uh, enjoying some some brown goodness uh, in the morning at some point. But thank you guys so much for joining us today. Uh, we appreciate the heck out of you. Um, let me see. Lawrence coming in here. Maybe yeah, with stars. Interesting question. Appreciate you, um, Lawrence. Can Jeff Craig still refuse to go to a team like Elway did still or no? I mean, they can, but the team, if the team really wanted to, they could sit on your rights for a year, ever for a year. For a year. Do you go back into the draft pool? I think then? you just, you just, you're out a year. So they own your rights for a year. Okay. Interesting. Well, I mean, if somebody has enough of a stable situation in their background, um, then uh, that'd be fine. Uh, but, When's yes. the last time that happened? Was it, it wasn't, it might've been Phillip Rivers when it was basically like, we're not playing Eli for. Manning. It was Eli. No, it was Eli. That's who it was. Because Philip was in that draft. It was, it was yeah. all part of that draft with the, the switch around. It was Eli. It's like, listen, I'm not playing for the chart, which was silly to me. Um, yep. Like who wouldn't want to play in San Diego for God's sakes. But, you know, it worked out pretty good for Eli. That's for sure. It worked out pretty I, good for the Chargers too. I think Arch Manning and the Mannings had some issues with somebody in the Chargers organization, maybe even their owners. And like, it was really a big one. And there was a coach issue. What was Schottenheimer at the time? Was it? No, uh, it was not. It didn't involve Schottenheimer. It involved somebody else, but there was some real bad blood there um, between the Mannings. It's nice having options. It's nice having enough money in your family to say, screw you. I'll sit out of here. Um, Because those are the only options that people have the way this monopoly league is set up. Yeah. Yep, uh, it's unfortunate, but uh, maybe the, these guys can get a little bit more power even going forward. I mean, you see the, uh, what is it, the NF or the NLFs, NIFs, whatever the college players now can get to get some NILs. Money. NILs. Image, image licensing. Yes. So now they don't have to jump to the league when they're not totally ready yet because maybe some of them are, have the NILs that they can lean on because take they're getting Spencer Rattler, take a pay cut. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, well, guys, thank you so much. We appreciate you. Um, my internet has not gone out yet, so that's great to see. I'm going to go reset the router after this, so hopefully it'll be better. But we appreciate you guys. Um, follow Scott on Twitter, at Scout Kennedy, and myself, at Nick Kendall, MHH. Also follow us at Huddle Up Pod and at Mile High Huddle. If you're on Facebook today, join us at facebook.com forward slash Mile High Huddle and forward slash Mile High Huddle Pod. YouTube folks, smash the subscribe, slam the like, hit the bell notification so you know when we go live, and share. Um, that's also a big one as well. We have, that would do a lot for us. I know not everybody's in a position to contribute financially with the stars and the chats and everything like that. That's fine. This is totally free. Make sure you're getting it out there. Help share the brand, and uh, we appreciate that. 
Tomorrow morning, Scott and I will be on his channel at youtube.com forward slash C forward slash Scott. I just shared the link. We're going to be talking some Cowboys Falcons on there too. So, uh, which means we're going to be talking a lot of Broncos Cowboys. Yeah, that'll be great. Um, and uh, hey, how about those Falcons four and four? Um, they got a chance. Uh, that's good. They're in a playoff spot right now. Yeah. They're four and four. They're in the seventh spot in the playoffs right now. Playoffs. We're we talking about playoffs. No, yeah, that'll be great. Um, congrats on beating Trevor Simeon too. We were all pulling for you on that one. At least I was. Um, so, all right, guys. Well, we will, I will see you tonight for building the Broncos. Um, and until then stay safe. Go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos.